Welcome to Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Soundprints for the week of November 20, 2023. The Kentucky Council of the Blind held its Golden Jubilee Convention this past weekend. All nine KCB chapters had members in attendance. Deb Cook-Lewis, President of the American Council of the Blind, was our special ACB guest. And Connie Sims, also an ACB board member from South Dakota, was in attendance. At its business meeting on Saturday, November 18, KCB elected its five directors who will serve on the board for the next two years. They are Patty Cox, Louisville, Debbie Green, Elizabethtown, Bill Roberts, Owensboro, Restoria Ross-Jackson, Louisville, and Benjamin Wright, Henderson. GLCB invites everyone to our virtual roundabout on Friday, November 24, from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. We'll begin with page-turners. Tell us about a good book you've read or want to read, or let us know about a book you really didn't like. Then we'll talk tech, apps, skills, tips on how to get things done, Anything related to technology can be part of the discussion. If there's time, we'll share a little Thanksgiving trivia. Anyone, anywhere is welcome to come to Roundabout. Just call 669-900-6833 and enter the code 862-9889-6972. Can you believe that December will be here next week? There are lots of chances to share the holidays with the council around Kentucky. The GLCB Christmas with the council party kicks off the holiday season on Saturday, December 2. It's in person at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 South State Street in Louisville, from 4.30 to 9 p.m. You can also listen in on Zoom, beginning at 6.30 Chapters participating in Christmas with the Council will be Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana, KCB Next Generation, Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision, Tri-State Library Users, and, of course, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. There will be a bargain table, a delicious home-cooked meal, singing and holiday cheer, games, and fun. Santa and Mrs. Claus will make an appearance at 8 p.m., And there will be a gift for everyone and, of course, door prizes. To sign up, call the KCB office at 502-895-4598. Here's more holiday fun on the schedule. We'll bring you details as we receive them. The South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind will hold its Christmas gathering on Sunday, December 3 in Bowling Green. The Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have a business meeting, lunch, and party on Wednesday, December 6, in Lexington. The Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind Christmas Party is scheduled for Saturday, December 9, at the Anchor Grill in Covington. The Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired will hold its traditional holiday happening in Owensboro at the Wesleyan Heights United Methodist Church on Tuesday, December 12. And the Eastern Kentucky Council of the Blind will have its Christmas party in Jackson on December 16. Watch the KCB events list for details and make plans now to celebrate the holidays with the Council. 
The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Roundabout on Friday, November 10, celebrated Veterans Day with a special program. Our speaker was my son, David Mike Franklin, who is retired from the Air Force after 30 years of service. Mike was stationed overseas in Qatar for two years, and while there, he and his family visited several different countries in Europe and the Middle East. We brought you part one of his presentation last week on Soundprints, and you'll find part two on page two this week. Soundprints is heard 12 times each week on ACB Media One. Listen there by using the ACB Link app on your phone or on your Alexa device by asking her to open ACB Media and then choosing number one when prompted. We're heard at 8 p.m. Sunday, 8 a.m. Monday, 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Tuesday, 4 a.m. and 4 p.m. on Wednesday, 10 p.m. on Thursday, and 1 a.m., 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. on Friday. You can also listen to Soundprints on your Victor Reader Stream by searching for Soundprints in the Victor Stream database. Find Soundprints in the list of podcasts in the ACB Link app. Just download the app to your iPhone, open it, and choose Podcast from the menu. Scroll down the list to find Soundprints. Listen anytime, 24 hours a day, on the KCB Information Line by calling 773-572-6318. Be sure to check the opening menu for available shows. We have also begun posting some shows from the recent past in addition to the most recent show. For more information about Soundprints, comment on a recent show, or make a suggestion for a future topic, or to receive a free subscription on CD playable on your standard CD player, call KCB at 502-895-4598. Page two. Um, glad everybody's here. Welcome to Roundabout. I want to open by um, introducing our speaker, who is he's David at home. He's Mike here. He's my son, Patty's brother. Um, you know, and we do have to watch Ohio State now. Some. All right. Well, since you mentioned Ohio State, I'm going to say go Cards. Tell us about that Jordan Israel. Um, tour where you all went to visit and how you got from one country to the other who I guess they don't specifically have um yeah I mean you can't just go and go between t- you know tell us a little bit about that yeah so 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 it's real uh you know uh that part of the the world's a little bit in the news these days um and you you it's an interesting dynamic, you know, because back in the, I forget the, the timeline, but you know, you had the six day war where Israel and Jordan fought and, you know, Jordan got pushed back. And that's, that's part of the contested area these days and all that kind of stuff. But so you would think there wouldn't be this good relationship. Well, um, contrary to what most people believe, um, there is a good relationship between Jordan and Israel because Jordan and Israel, they, Jordan's main economy is is uh, potatoes and tourism. Um, so if you think about Jordan, you've got the Dead Sea, you've got the uh, 
the river in which Jesus is baptized. You've got Petra, uh, one of the seven wonders of the world. You've got, uh, uh, there's an area down south that, I can't remember the name of it, but it's like this big desert area. Um, you know, a lot of historical, you know, biblical history uh, type stuff over there. So, and then, of, of course, Amman, the capital of, of Jordan, is just, you know, sites in itself. I mean, you've got other historical, you know, sites throughout the country. So they, they a lot of tourism. Well, there's also a lot of tourism in, in Israel and, you know, Jordan and Israel. Right there is, you know, Bethlehem and Jerusalem and, and all that. That's just right across the right across the river um, from the cuts near Jordan and Israel. One thing that I learned was you always hear about the Jewish, the the Israeli military, right? Right now you hear a lot about the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces. Israeli Defense Forces are made up of just, um, but they're they're made up of non-Muslim Israelis. So Israel has a uh, every able adult has to serve in the military in Israel, except for those that are Muslim. And the Israelis do not force Muslims to to serve because they know the conflict that they would have, you know, because their number one enemy is is Muslim countries. So, but it's you have to do service, especially if you're Jewish. I think the same thing for Christians born in Israel. I'm not too sure. I won't say 100, percent but. Especially Jewish, they have to do that. So, but but anybody can be in the police force, um, which which makes um, you know, just a, a food for thought. Makes you you know you heard about a, a month ago, you know, police departments being being attacked um, and, and stuff like that, and you know, killing all the police within the police station. You know, were, were they of just one religion? Most likely not, right? So. But I wouldn't have known that. I wouldn't have had that 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 thought process if I wouldn't have you know been there and visited. So it's very different than what a lot of people think, where you know they're just all trying to kill each other all the time. It's not. It's they get along. Um, we went there right before Passover. It was the weekend before Passover. I had a couple of Muslim guys, um, you know, that worked the counter of the hotel, explaining to me that on Friday there would not be hot breakfast because the kitchen would be preparing for Passover. Um, so. Muslim people in Israel explaining to me, a, a Christian, about the Jewish holiday of Passover. Right? This is, my name's Amanda. Um, I, I briefly met you in 2018 at the um, uh, KCB convention when you came to talk about life in Qatar. Um, okay. Can you, because, yeah, I, I didn't get to see the money that you brought, um, but everybody was saying how accessible it was because it looked... Um, it looked different, like different sizes and different colors. I was wondering if you could describe, like, some of the different, like, unique, like, coins and dollar bills that you come across when you travel. Yeah, so um, in Qatar, so in Qatar they have they have coins. Um, we've got a lot of them still here at the house, I think, for some reason, because they're absolutely worth nothing. Um one Qatari real was no. What was the exchange rate? One dollar got you twenty-seven Qatari real. So you can imagine when you got a coin that was like half a real, that was what one one fifty-fourth of a dollar. So, um, 
the the coins. Even a lot of times, you go to the grocery store if if you were paying it with uh, with cash. Uh, a lot of times, they would round up or round down, and because they didn't even have any change. Um, but they were they did have different coins, um, and they were different sizes. You know, like our coins here, you know, different sizes. So so those those were anywhere went coins were pretty much the same you know but they were i think there's all the coins in the middle east were you know the bigger the coin the more it's worth right as opposed to like our nickels worth more than time um and but the, the bills themselves are you know because so all basically all the middle east was colonized by the by the british right so a lot of stuff that they do, they, they, you know, got from the Brits and most of the, you know, all these countries were established after the, after the fall of the Ottoman Empire. I mean, the history buff was around the twenties or thirties. Um, so pretty new countries and the, uh, you know, but they have a lot of British and European influence. Um, so just like most European countries, even before the EU, um, you know, the, all the bills were of different sizes. Um, and, and that's the way it was in every Middle Eastern country. Um, I won't say every, um, I, I can say I know at, uh, the Afghani money is, is all the same size bills. Um, the Middle East, but, um, all the Middle Eastern countries, all the developed first world countries, let's say, are, uh, have, different size bills for each one and, and not only different size in, um, you know, top to bottom, but also side to side, you know, so you get your, your larger denomination is, is a larger bill, smaller denominations are smaller bills. Um, a, a lot of the countries had different colors, almost like color schemes on the money. Um, they were very, they're very busy. Um, usually, a lot of you know pictures of mosques and buildings and people and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of I'm gonna say a lot of color on it because our bills are just two colors. Um, and they had uh, I can't remember. Most of them had like the you know, like the like a, a bigger number on them. Um, I can't remember if any of them had any tactile. Do you remember me saying anything about it being tact, any tactile? tactile? Mm -hmm. No. Differences? I, I don't think so. I don't think the so. The money you brought um, didn't have any tactile markings. No, on it. it didn't have anything on it, but okay. pictures. Oh, it was yeah, pictures and then the different size. Yeah, this this is Bill. Oh, yeah, different, different sizes and things. Because mm -hmm. he, was, he was showing me, you showing me like you you know each size you knew was a different uh, amount. Yeah, yeah. So that's a big that's the big thing was was different sizes. And, and, you know, that's the same way it is in Europe. You know, with the euro and um, most like I said, most developed. Most developed nations, except for ours, have different size bills. Um, and that yeah, was always an interesting thing. Going, for years. <laughs> yeah, going going to different um, 
you know, going to the different countries is, you know, every time we went to somewhere different, uh, you, you had to figure out what the, what the exchange rate was and you had to exchange money either at the airport or, um, uh, believe it or not, ATMs over there, there's, there's no fee, um, for any ATM. Uh, so you can, you can pretty much go to an ATM and, uh, our bank didn't charge us to use those ATMs either. Uh, you know, they, they said the conversion rate, which lost a few pennies every time we pulled, you know, a couple hundred bucks out, but, uh, no fees by their ATMs, which were, which was great. Uh, but just figuring out that conversion rate and then, you know, for the next three or four days now, I've got to remember that, you know, 38 of whatever their money is, is a dollar or it might be the, be the reverse where, you know, um, especially in, in Europe where the dollar is not equal to. So, you know, every time I'm paying one, one euro, it's $1.2, whatever it was. Um, so just keeping the money, keeping the money straight and then try to spend all the money because you don't want to bring back a whole bunch because you'll lose, lose money again when you convert it back. Mike, um, tell us mm-hmm. about the, the kids didn't have snow days in Qatar. But no, but they did have a rain day. Was it a rain day? <laughs> yeah. They did have a rain day. Yeah, so it, 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 um, it very rarely rains. Um, and when it did, it pretty much just flooded the entire, I'm using my air quotes of sewer system, uh, runoff sewer because, um, they just all backed up. So the, the streets were literally flooded. Um, so they, they got off because it was raining. But when it did rain, the few, very few days that it did rain, the kids enjoyed going outside and playing in the rain. I have a question. Um, uh-huh. My name is Mary, and I was just wondering um, how your kids adapted to the environment there. I mean, had they had they moved a good bit before in their lives, or was this something really different for them? Um, and how did they deal with not having their regular friends that they had made in the United States. Yeah. So, so I was, I was active the air force. So, so they weren't allowed to have friends because we moved every two years. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think you've been eating too many lucky charms. <laughs> yeah. So, so we, so we, we did actually move every, every two years, uh, pretty much. Uh, so wow. it was very hard for them to, uh, to not hard for them to make friends, but hard for them, it was, it, it was easy for them to adapt, I, I would say, um, to, uh, to a new place. Um, like I said, the first day that they were there, I got there about three weeks before them, but when they got there, you know, kids came over, I don't know, there's probably five or seven kids that came knocked on the door and said, you're the new family. There's kids, do they want to come out and play? Um, and they went out and played and actually one of those kids, Julian, um, he is, my son's age, um, they moved back shortly after we did, um, they, up to Maryland and, uh, they lived right across the street and David and Julian have stayed friends ever since. And he's actually going up to, 
visit Julian and his family uh, right before Christmas this year. So, oh, how nice! Um, yeah, so I mean, the, he, even bouncing around, you know, after that um, uh, and, and moving, they they stayed real good friends. And um, but they just, I mean, it, it seemed like all the kids, you know, if you can imagine a, you know, the the we call it compound, the compound that we live in, you know, the 200 homes or whatever, a lot of expats, right? So a lot of Brits, a lot of U.S. people, a lot of a lot of people that I think, you know, some other military folks as well that were kind of used to the always moving. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you got a bunch of, a bunch of families and a bunch of kids that are used to always moving, they just, they just adapt. They just, um, yeah, they're just, that's their life. Yeah, they just do it. So um, I think it was over there. Is it over there or right when we got, we moved from there to Ohio that uh, David told me that he just wanted to remind me that he had not been in a school for more than two years at a time. So, <laughs> and, and man, he was getting sick of moving. So. <laughs> well, thank you for being of, here to talk to us. Oh, yeah. One of the amazing things to me is uh, the advancement of technology and one of the ways that we demonstrated that was that when we wanted to call you, we just dialed a local number. We didn't have to dial any operators, any area codes, anything, just a straight number. And to get halfway around the world like that, uh, it, you know, it was really something to me. Yeah, so that was the early onset, like, I mean, we had smartphones, but we didn't have really smartphones like we do now. Uh, um, but so I had what was it, the old uh, Magic Jack app, right? So you you paid your whatever fifty bucks, sixty bucks a year, and you could get a number assigned. I actually had a five hundred two area code number. Um, you know, I would cautious anybody doing that. The person who had that number before me did not pay any of her bills. <laughs> so I got a lot of phone calls in the middle of the night. Because different time zones, um, but uh, but yeah. So uh, you, you know, just call and and the great part about it was, um, uh, well, now if you went over, if I went over there right now because of my my cell phone provider, I would just I would I would land in Qatar. I, I would get a text message that says "Welcome to Qatar." Um, you've got unlimited data, unlimited text, and and and. Uh, you know, if you actually use the phone app, not your FaceTime app or anything like that, but the phone app would be 25 cents a minute. Back then, they didn't have that for the overseas, right? I say back then, like so long ago, but um, most cell phone companies didn't have that. So I actually had to buy a local, you know, a local SIM card. Um, that was a prepay service. I think it was prepay. But then when I went somewhere international, international to them being, you know, few miles down the road in Saudi Arabia, then I had to buy an international plan that you had to pay like 25 bucks for the week and it got you so much data and um, stuff like that. And then when I came back to the States, I had a SIM card that I bought, you know, one of those prepaid SIM cards, you know, so a lot of people um, you would see on international flights, I made several trips back to the States, but you would see on international flights, you know, people taking their SIM card trays out and changing their SIM cards and all that kind of stuff because... Oh, now I'm in the States or now, oh, now I'm in Europe. And so I got to put my European SIM card in and stuff like that. 
and just the advance in technology between, you know, 2015, 2017 to, to now, or even I know last, this past summer when Lindsay went to France and Spain, she literally took her phone and did nothing to it. And she had unlimited data, unlimited text. Um, and there was no additional charges. When you went the first time to Afghanistan, um, that, that was where you had to go out and stand, stand somewhere outside in order to even get a signal to call. And I think that was yeah, 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 it was a satellite phone. Yeah, I remember talking horrible. to him and he said, did yeah. you hear that? And it was a jet. <laughs> yeah. Yes, a jet. Mike, I thought one of the funny things when you went over there was that you had decided not to take your U of L stuff with you um, because you thought you wouldn't need it. <laughs> and uh, so, but before the rest of the family came, I got a call and you said, tell Simon to go to Walmart and buy me some U of L flags for my car. Uh, but you felt like you yeah, really we took it. a little bit. You what? Yeah, we took a we took a little bit, but not much. It wasn't a whole lot. Um, yeah, we just didn't know what you know. You never know what another culture is going to accept, but they pretty much accept anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, Mike, but you did, but you did see you you did see UK flags coming down the street, right? <laughs> yeah, well, there's this, yeah this one guy. He didn't, you know. So you can take tours. Um, they call them sand dune rides. It's where these um, people that are from that area drive you in a big SUV up and down the sand dunes, and they slide them sideways. Nothing that would ever be approved in the United States to do. Um, but the guy that was driving our vehicle had a UK hat on. And I know it was just just ignorance because he didn't speak any English. Oh, yeah, um, right. So it was it was pure. He 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 didn't know what he was doing. I see. <laughs> um, I'm curious, Mike, and I apologize for calling you Michael. Um, I'm curious how, with your mother being a UK fan and your sister being a UK fan, how you wound up a URL fan. I was just going to make a really funny joke about that. <laughs> so yeah. Well. Um, you know, they, they, they say that, you know, everyone in a family is as intelligent as everybody else. Now, um, you're the oddball. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings by calling anybody, you know. I do have names for those people. I see them around here all the time. But. That's all right. The truth hurts sometimes. Go cards. All right. It does. It does. It does. Well, and then he brainwashed his nephew. So there's always one in every family. But but Mike, you, you did you did run into some when you all went to wasn't it Paris that you were weren't you going up in the Eiffel Tower or someplace and here were UK fans. Um, oh, everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Well. They send them out to annoy me. <laughs> they do, huh? Everywhere I go. Well, for, for a man, does 
And always, the same runs true with politics sometimes, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Besides sports teams. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Now I've got to have a bunch of Ohio. Like, i got to hear Go Bucks. What? <laughs> you do have to tolerate a lot, right? <laughs> All right. So I, I have a really mundane question. Just like nobody's going to care about this answer except me. So, uh, so I work for Tricare. So I talk to military folks all day long, and I just wonder how the exit briefing, the briefings that you guys receive upon your retirement, like are those just like five, like five pounds of poo in a three pound bag? I mean, are they just like do they rush through them? Because I feel like everyone I talk to. Uh, is always trying to catch up on what's going on, you know, with their with their benefits and everything like that. So, and thank you for your being nervous. Thank you. Um, that's a great question because um, I am trying to think. So, what what they do congressionally mandated? Um, it's called TAP. TAP class is transition assistance program, and there's another P in there. I don't know what it stands for. Uh, but it's like a week or two, I can't remember if it's a week or two weeks. And, but it's, it's literally, you know, a PowerPoint blast after PowerPoint blast, you know, medical, you know, track hairs coming in or whoever it is that, that briefs the, the medical. And then, you know, the next person is your, your pay person. The next person is talking about LinkedIn and how to write a resume and how to write a government resume. So it's, it's basically just, you know, shotgun blasted information. Um, I, I think the, the biggest problem is, is it's a lot of folks don't know or are, are always using the base, right? Um, so what, you know, the, the base of the post hospital when they're active duty, and then when they retire or they're, or if they're being medically retired, medically separated to where they still get factor benefits post service, um, they're literally learning that for the first time. They could have been in for 30 years and never known anything about because they, they were on tracker prime as opposed to tracker select, right? Oh yeah. And they were based for all of it. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they don't, they don't all, you know, and it's like we learned, I learned about tracker select. Actually, it was the assignment of, or we went to Qatar, um, and I thought that was the best thing in the world. I was like, but my, my family doesn't have to, they don't have to go to base. So it's not something that the, the military really puts out there because I think it probably costs the government more money. Um, but that's, that's probably why it seems like everybody's like, you know, you, you probably say to yourself, man, this person's been in for, this person's retired, which means they've been in for 20 years, and they don't know anything about tractor. So, um, because they didn't, they probably didn't have to deal with it. I mean, um, when I was down at our, uh, investigative training academy, we were on track here, prime remote. And then when I was in Chicago for, uh, uh, education program, again, we were on track here, prime remote. So I kind of had the experience with that, but at least with not being with a base all the time. Um, Well, I, I, I get the feeling it's like drinking through a fire hose because, uh, you know, a good portion of folks are trying to figure it out as they go for sure. So, all right. Yeah, I, and, and, and I think it's probably one of those things where they're, where they're like, you know, I'll, I'll figure this out. It, it is what it is. 
um, because usually, you know, the big focus of those transition classes are, you know, where are you going to go work? Um, you know, because uh, I, I say, well, while I say, you know, you do 20 years and you retire, um, the, the the retirement. It ain't, it ain't much. Yeah. It, 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 it's not enough to retire. It's, it's, it's enough to retire to go work somewhere else, right? So uh, that's usually what people are most concerned about in those transition things. Um, that get, getting a job and, and, and what's VA going to do for me? Um, so I'm sure when it comes, I, I, I honestly, I, I don't even remember a track here medical briefing during that transition class. Mike, when we uh, did the, at the Census Bureau, when we did the veteran survey, that was really true. A lot of the people that were retired said they didn't know anything and they just hadn't done anything while they were in the Army to, or Armed Forces to prepare for the yeah. transition. And, you know, that was one of the things that the survey wanted to know so that they could maybe make it better or, you know, that's, that was the hope. But, I mean, you know, we don't know what they'll do. They, we just submitted the data. But, it was interesting that people didn't know about uh, their about some of the programs. Well, I've never heard of that program. Right. Well, and we look it up, and it's like, well, it's in your state. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Because I mean, well, I mean, at least on our database, it said it was. And then the other thing was, sometimes you ask people if they have health insurance and they have Tricare. They go, well, we don't think we can get that. Do you think we should see if we could get to our, Yeah. If you've been in the military, you should see if you could get it. So it's just interesting how they don't, how people sometimes, but I think you're right. They're just so concerned about the transition of living somewhere else and getting a job. And then they think about the medical when they need it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, so if it's a retiree, um, any, any type of status retire with medical retirement or full, you know, you just did your service retirement. Um, you know, they would all have track here and then uh, be eligible for track here. And then if you're if you're just a if you're just a veteran, if you separated but didn't you know do enough time to retirement, then you wouldn't be necessarily eligible for track here. But you could be covered for some things or all things at the VA, right? Depending on you know if you had any type of uh, uh, condition that was that was uh, uh, rated on at the VA. But a lot of people don't know, like, and I don't know how Kentucky is. Um, I can tell you up here in Ohio, uh, every county has a veteran service uh, office, county-run office. And the veteran service organizations, uh, just, you know, like the uh, VFW, AMVETS, American Legion, all of them are, are very active all throughout Ohio um, and are are really – they're – to help with that transition of, of folks as well. I had a different kind of question. Did you see any unusual animals in your travels? Unusual animals? Um, well, I mean, things that we don't see here every day, camels. Um, I think one time at, when I visited for work, very hard work. We had to go to a uh, a festival in Abu Dhabi, um, and because uh, you know the uh, month long of Ramadan, and then every night during Ramadan, you know they break the fast, and every night during Ramadan is a festival. 
Um, and uh, usually when we went and visited for work, uh, we were meeting with some uh, host country uh, governmental people, uh, military or other government people. So they would, you know, usually like the hostess if they were having a festival or whatever. Um, but I think they had like elephants there for elephant rides. You know, you know, you know the normal festival thing, the elephant rides, camel rides. Um, I can't remember. Oh, uh, falcons. They definitely had falcons there. So they use falcons for hunting. Um, and some of these falcons are, like they have trackers on them because sometimes they'll just fly away and not come back. Uh, but they're trained falcons and they use them to hunt, I think, rabbits. And I don't remember any other animals. Oh, we got a little gecko any little lizards in the house. Food? Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, Melis is, is all about lamb. Um, and uh, beef. And chicken. But uh, lamb, um, you know, to get lamb over here, it's like and teeth. I mean, you got to really find it here. Um, the lamb over there is just like beef to us. Um, so whether it's... Uh, and then they do the, the shawarma, which is the big... You know, where they have the seasoned meat and it's on like on a, on a stick and it re- rotates around. Um, I don't know if you go to a place and get shawarma or you go to a, a place and get a hero. Um, you know, good. They shaved the meat off? Oh, my Lord, yeah. Um, but it's that bread, you know, fresh-made fresh, fresh made, um, non, uh, like pita, pita bread, and then uh, uh, rice. They don't do a lot of vegetables, which was okay with me. Um, but then, you know, every, everywhere, always try to... to, to eat what what they're known for. Like, Qatar's not really known for anything. I even tried to ask, like, hey, what's Qatar known for food? And they're like, eh, nothing really. Um, they pretty much import everything. Um, but then, like, you know, most of them are you know, just Mediterranean-type food, which is going to be your, you know, your shawarma, your lamb, your... in uh, Egypt, falafel. Uh, and... Uh, Yes, there's a lot of that. A lot of eggplant, you know, uh, baba ganoush, which is, uh, you know, fresh eggplant stuff mixed up, and then hummus, uh, chickpeas, and whatever else goes in there. You talked about a lot about what the kids did, but I thought the wall with the hands that Shauna helped do, I thought that was really cool. Could you explain that? The wall with the hands. When when families would come or leave, they was that what they did when they retired, or when they came back? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh no, no, okay, yeah, the, the T wall. So like, uh, so there would be, uh, you know, around a ba- you know, you would around the perimeter, let's say, of the base. You know, you got a regular fence line. You know, you got your. Uh, uh, Chain link fence, you know, with barbar or whatever. But you also have tee walls, which are, um, think of a, a tee upside down. Um, 
So it's kind of fatter at the bottom, and then it gets skinnier up top. That's why I call T-balls. Uh, they've, they've got different sizes, but these were not the big 30 or 40 foot, footers, maybe like a 10 footer. I don't know. But at Al Udeed, um, they had this thing where the like squadrons, different units would paint T-balls. Um, and so the, uh, family readiness center, I don't know if it was that or if that was whatever program was there for families. Um, they came up, kind of came up with a design that they made. And so they painted it on this T wall and then all the families, you know, the spouses and kids, you know, painted their hands and put their hands on the, on the T wall. Um, you know, just, just like this, you know, regular units or regular squadrons would, would paint their squadron patch usually on it. They kind of came up with a, an emblem and I think that they actually got like coasters made with it too and stuff like that. So it was kind of neat, you know, something for the families to do. But they really like doing family stuff up there. Like they had a, we didn't have very many families, but like the base put on a trunk or treat during Halloween. Um, they had a family readiness center that would try to do stuff, for, you know, set up things for families like uh, go down and kayak, you know, through the marshes or uh, go out on a dow boat that has a barbecue, you know, out to the Persian Gulf, you know, things like that. So that's kind of what the family readiness center was. I have a question. This is Amanda again. Um, when 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 Shauna made the sausage with the spice, like when she was making it and she got the spices right, what kind of meat did she use? Did she use a pork or did she? We well, said no, there's no pork meat. It's delicate Um Or like, did she use beef or what did she use? Because I, the reason I'm asking, is because I'm trying to make my own um, turkey sausage because I'm eliminating a lot of pork from my uh, diet. Yeah, so no, we actually use pork. So she she got a, um, at the Sin store, they had pork products in the head. While well, they didn't have the, the breakfast sausage like we're used to, they actually had just ground pork. Um, so it was just raw oh, okay. ground pork that she used. Yeah, and then um, over in the Middle East, um, they are, their spice section at the store is probably as big as some stores produce sections. They oh, are all about you know, spices and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, so you could get, you and all fresh spices, you know, cause it all comes from the, you know, a lot of spices come either from, well, somewhere in Asia. Right. So, um, yeah, but it was ground pork. Okay, thank you. And Carl, it's Debbie. Uh-huh. I was trying to get him muted. I had oh, a question. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Debbie. Um, well, thanks for your service, Mike, for one thing. Um, what was, was there anything particular that was hard to get used to? Maybe something that you couldn't get, you know, that you were used to over here? Or, you know, was there anything that was hard to adjust to over there? Well, um, the, well, I mean, it was, it's hard. I won't say hard to, it was just something that was, that was just constantly different. Or different, was, getting used to something like that, you know. Yeah, the, I would say one thing was, you know, everywhere you go, you know, Americans aren't working in guitar, right? So everywhere you go, you're talking, um, you're, you're talking to somebody who most of the workers, like I said, came from, you know, uh, Eastern Asia. 
So you're talking to somebody who's from Eastern Asia who the common language there is English. Um, and so you're, you're constantly doing, you know, pointy talkie or you're doing, you know, broken English or them not understanding or, um, you know, so you're always just, you're always just trying to deal with the communication of things. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, something as simple as, as, where is something in, in the grocery store and they they never want to say that they don't know what you're talking about um, so they'll they'll leave and come back with something it's not going to be what you asked for um, but you know just always dealing with the the, the I want to say the struggle of, of verbal communication it's probably the hardest thing Everything else is pretty easy. It's a great place to be. Except it's hot. Mike, you made a comment one time, I think the first, when you all were over there that first summer, uh, about the hot water in the, the, or the water coming out of the shower. And oh, yeah. Being, yeah, and being really hot. You, you, you said something like you didn't even need to turn on the cold water sometimes to get a hot shower. No, so in the summer we would actually turn off the hot water here. Oh. And the, the, basically the, the water that because um, the cold the cold water would be pumped into a tank like it pumped into a tank that was on top of the house. And then I think it was all gravity from there. But you can imagine that water guy. So the cold water turned into the hot water and you didn't have any hot water. Yeah, that makes or sense. The, the, cold water yeah. the cold water turned into the hot water. Yeah, and you didn't have any cold water. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You, you had no cold water. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in the winter, the cold water is cool. Not cold, but I say winter. They did have to heat the pool a little bit in January and February. <laughs> yeah, wasn't it, Holly, what a saying. Wasn't it Christmas or Thanksgiving? You all were at the pool. Yeah, it was Christmas. And, and it was Thanksgiving, yeah. Yeah, you all were at the pool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, the pool, the, the pool in our compound stayed open. Most compounds stayed open all year round. In the summertime, they cooled it. And in the wintertime, they heated it. Wow, interesting. Okay, anybody else? And weren't there some big dust storms? Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, very big dust storms. Yeah, they came through. Almost like a, I remember some of them were just so heavy that it was almost like a fog, you know, you just can't see, see through it. If it's blowing hard enough, it just, you don't even want to go outside because it's just like pelting you in the face. But didn't that come into your home? I mean, it got in there. Yeah. Yeah, it does get in there all the time because, uh, 
construction is not like it is here. And one other thing that I think people would find interesting, um, just if you could just quickly describe uh, that house is not like our houses, right? And, you know, the area, living area downstairs and living area upstairs. And anyway, tell us just a little bit about that layout of that house. Because I don't think any of yeah. us would have a house like that here. Yeah, so uh, you walked in, you had a, well, the first part of the foyer, and then it was just like an open doorway, but like it would have been like a double size, you know, or wide. Um, and then you had like the main, <clears throat> I, I, I called it wasted space because there was really nothing there. It was just big right in the middle of the floor. And then off to the left was the dining room. They had a table, I think it like set eight people. And then there was a buffet and a, uh, some other kind of cabinet in there. So pretty good sized dining room that we hardly ever used. Um, and then on the right side, you actually had two, uh, uh, living room type areas. Um, a lot of places over there would have, have two areas, you know, one for males, one for females. Um, but it was two, uh, two living room, I say areas, they, they wouldn't even separated by anything except for just space. Uh, but it would have been like two full size living rooms right there next to, next to each other. And then, um, downstairs there was a, a half bath right there for people to use. And then the kitchen was pretty good size. Um, and you know, a lot of counter space, again, a lot of unused open floor space. Um, it, the kitchen's where the, uh, washing, the laundry machine was that was an all in one. I know they're advertising those in the States. Don't buy one. They're horrible. Uh, where it washes and dries all together. No good. (laughs) And then also downstairs was, we used it as storage, but it was actually, uh, uh, maid's quarters. We didn't have a maid. Uh, but in there, it was just like a, a small little room that they would sleep in, twin size bed, and then you could, there was a bathroom in there as well, a full bath. And then upstairs was uh, um, four, four, four bedrooms. Right? Yeah, four bedrooms. Um, each one had their own bathroom. And wow. then um, all, the bed, all the bedrooms kind of... Uh, went off of this, uh, just not say living room again, uh, family room. Um, you know, I had TV and couches and stuff in there too. Uh, so you went up the steps and you had that kind of like family room thing and then all the four bedrooms were off of that. Um, oh, one interesting thing, like they, they don't believe in closets. So there were no closets. It was just all like cabinet type closet things with drawers, not enough space. Interesting. Uh, Mike, this is Adam. Uh, speaking of all the bathrooms and that sort of thing, where did the fresh water come from uh, since that area is so arid? Uh, from the faucet. Oh, damn. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I fell for that one. <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't know where. I think they actually had a... Um, I want to say Katsar actually had their own desalination plant. 
Um, I think they did. I think they had their own water plant. Uh, interesting note on the water, uh, the base, uh, you know, because they want to make sure that the where we're living is good to go. They actually sent some uh, uh, airmen out that did water sampling, you know, checking for, make sure it was good water. Um, and they came to the house. I wasn't there, but Shana was, and she said they tested it a couple of times because um, they couldn't believe the reading. It was like had zero uh, uh, I want to say imperfections. I don't know what the word is, but zero, zero bad stuff, which they said they've right. never seen have zero bad stuff. So, um, well, so it's pretty good water. So you drank the water from over there? Um, we, we used it for cooking. We didn't really drink it because um, we would always just be drinking um, what do you think, uh, bottled water because it was cold. You kept bottled water in the fridge all the time because mm. you wanted cold water. A lot of bottled water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope you all have enjoyed this. Um, yes, absolutely. We appreciate it. We appreciate you coming, Mike, and taking the time to to do this. Mike's been helping uh, quite a bit with our with the convention and a lot of the KCB stuff because he he um, he can sure run all those charge cards that you all uh, call and um, want to have charges put on. He can run them a whole lot quicker than I can, so he gets to do that quite a bit. But other things too, we really appreciate all the help, Mike. Not a problem. Alrighty. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.